Welcome, podcasters. You are listening to another episode of Tell Me Why, a resource for athletes, coaches, and parents in sport. Co-hosted by Dr. Ginny Christerna and U.S. Speed Skating Hall of Fame inductee Patrick Wentland. This podcast is developed as a resource for athletes, parents, coaches, and referees looking to improve player development and performance. Conversations and opinions expressed on the show are not intended as medical or clinical advice. Podcasters, to another episode of Tell Me Why. Today, we have the privilege of having speed skater extraordinaire Libby Williams joining us. Libby is going to be talking with us about her journey along the road, how she's gotten to where she's gotten, things that she's experienced, what things she's overcome, kind of give us uh, an athlete's perspective of the journey it takes. I mean, we've talked a lot about in our other podcasts about things you can do to improve your performance, but we're going to have an athlete's perspective. Uh, of course, joining us as usual is co-host Dr. Jenny Christerna. Jenny, how's it going? It's going well. Okay. I'm going to be um, today. All right, good. Good. Libby, some of your highlights, uh, as I've noticed, and you may have more than this, you've really taken up speed skating in the last three to four years. Does that sound right? Yeah. Before that, three, you were three and a half. You were mid-level figure skater? Yeah. Figure skating turned speed skating. You have made the latest accomplishment. You have qualified for the U.S. Junior World Championship team. You got to compete in the Junior World Championships last year. You also competed in a Junior World Cup, right? Yep. And I believe we have down as the first person ever to compete in the World University Games in two sports, which would have been long track speed skating and short track speed skating. So as we take you from the beginning of your sport to junior world teams. And hopefully I know we're shooting, I think you still got one or two more years as a junior. Is that right? One more year. One more year as a junior and on to the senior teams and the, let's see, we're probably looking at 2026 Olympics. Hopefully. That's hopefully. the goal. Okay, great, great. I'll start out with an easy one, maybe maybe easy on my end. What can you tell us was some of your, or one, one or two of your biggest hurdles that you had to come over in your journey to where you are now? Well, I think one of them is kind of the technical aspect of switching from a very graceful kind of ballerina sport to a very low center of gravity and small position. I think just technically it was a big switch, kind of opposing positions that I want to skate in. Like they're both skating. I have the skating skills, but making that position more efficient was probably my first big hurdle. And then I think once I got that position and I was kind of starting to gain, gain speed no pun intended, then it kind of became a hurdle of relationships with other skaters and with my coaches and just kind of learning how to navigate my own 
training program, I've always had someone telling me what kind of workouts to do and when and how long and like in what power zone, what heart rate zone, but I've never really had a training program where 50% of the training is honor code. It's kind of up to us to make sure that we do the training and we stay focused and stay on the grind to complete these in the long run optional workouts, but in the short run towards your goals, not optional workouts. I think that is kind of the first half of that second hurdle. And then with the relationships aspect, I've had to figure out how to build relationships with people that I wouldn't normally think to build a relationship with. Um, that being like people of high administration within the sport. And then with also other people's coaches, other people's other coaches, skaters, the people that I'm on a junior team with, if I was just competing normally, I wouldn't really talk to them, I guess. But being on a national or being on a world team with them, I've had to learn how to talk to the personalities that I wouldn't normally talk to. So I think that was the second hurdle. Okay. I'll jump in there, Jenny. We'll stick with that one. I think we'll go back to the technical part one in a minute because this, this is interesting because we've talked a little bit about this in previous podcasts because we're talking about an individual sport where you are training with athletes that you have to compete against at the at the team trials to qualify for a team or at the Junior World Championships. And I, and I see what you're you're telling me about learning how to carry relationships with these people because you need to train with them on and off the ice to get yourself better, to keep pushing each other, while at the same time you need to develop a relationship. You have uh, team events with them as well, um, I believe, that you're, you're competing with. So it's a combination of a team and individual sport. And you're also talking about building relationships with administration in the sport is that to build your career how you would say that and why are you seeing it important to build relationships with staff and administration well this can be it can be taken quite a few ways but i think as an athlete you kind of have you you want people to think highly of your person outside of the sport as well as your abilities as an athlete and I think that taught like the more time I spend talking to people and getting to know people outside of the sport environment I think the better I can kind of build a reputation for myself outside of competing okay yeah I'd go along with that I think that's important and I think you know, you're talking about uh, training and learning how to develop how to handle different programs with different coaching. So uh, those we didn't talk about, uh, Libby trained under me for a couple of years uh, before moving on to train with a, a national team program where she had higher level athletes 
to to compete with in our club situation where we worked there was uh not as much ice time to train with and uh not as high level of additional skaters for her to chase down and train with so you had to go from one style of coaching and athletes that you were training with and friends with and not necessarily competing against to now training on a higher national level with let's say different different coaching styles different high level athletes who are i'm going to go out on a limb and say a little more serious a little more dedicated than an average club level athlete and learning how to navigate that whole system so how old are you i'm 18 so at 18 years old you're probably more present and socially and self-aware than most adults because my guess is it it probably didn't just happen at 18 you had to build your way up to that where you're thinking Mm -hmm. about your future your reputation the self-discipline the honor system is kind of the guilt trip of self-discipline you know you're supposed to do this we're going to trust you to do this thing but it's a nice way of saying hey develop your ability to be focused, follow through, even when no one's watching, but especially when no one is watching, because you're going to have to want this. How did, how did that happen for you a couple years ago? Like, I mean, that's, that's being a teenager. Well, I think that sports at a higher level has kind of been a part of my life since I was five. I started figure skating when I was five, and then I switched from that sport to short track speed skating when I was 15-ish, 15, 16 area. But I think even with figure skating, I've kind of had an aspect of being held accountable by my coaches to, to not rely on other people to build my schedule and to make sure I train and get my homework done and have a good time management skill. I've, I've that's kind of kind of been up to me to what, figure out on my own. So I you, think what do you think motivated yeah. you to do that? Like most teenagers, I mean, you were 5. Most 5-year-olds mm-hmm. are like, you know, some of them are picking their nose. That's as far as I'm going to go with that just saying. <laughs> <laughs> right there, I mean, those most five-year-old, right? But here you are, you're five. And a lot of kids, they start sports at five or eight. What do you mm-hmm. what do you think you brought or what do you think happened for you that said, hey, I got to do this or I want to do this? Or what, what do you mm-hmm. think clicked for you that was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to organize this. I got to manage that because this is going to make it easier. Because yeah. most, in all fairness, most 10-year-olds don't think like that. Most 15-year-olds don't think like that. Don't think like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think coach can vouch for me that I'm I'm kind of an all or nothing person. If I'm doing something, I want to be the best at it that I can be. I don't I don't like doing things haphazardly. It's just not kind of who I am. If if I'm gonna do something, I want to put my all into it and feel good about it after I'm done or down down the line when. I'm no longer doing the sport. I want to feel good about what I did or 
even in workouts, I don't want to do one workout to half as good as I could have and then not feel good about that workout after I'm done. So I think what motivated me was really just wanting to be the the best at what I do. And it's it's kind of in, embedded in my personality to want to be the best at as I can. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I, I will vouch for that. And, and the, the years that we had working together, Libby was not the normal teenage kid. He was very devoted to the practices. He was fully in on every single workout. And she's still to this day, I've talked with her current coach, and we've discussed training with her for her. And our, our biggest problem as coaches for her is forcing Libby to actually take a rest day. And he... I've gotten better. Okay. I've gotten better. He <laughs> was one that would, well, I don't need a rest day. I, I can keep training through. Well, rest days are there for a reason. You got to recover and get stronger and get better. But between the two coaches, myself and her current coach, we've discussed the importance of forcing Libby to take a rest day where a lot of kids, a lot of any athlete, we're like, oh, right, give me a rest, give me a rest week, whatever, I don't care. We're in Libby's mindset, and I'll speak for you, Libby, and correct me if I'm wrong. He's thinking every time I'm resting, I'm not improving. And he wants to continuously, every day, every second, he is looking for, for here to here to here to here to get better, 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 and constantly, constantly be trying to, to reach that next goal. And a rest day just gets in the way in her head. So, and I, Jenny, I think that's where you were going with this and what you wanted to hear. And for our listeners out there, we talked on a couple of earlier podcasts about the passion it takes and the dedication, what it takes to get to a higher level. And we talked about this is not one of the things as a coach, I think is easy trainable. It's something that when you find that sport, when you find that thing that you want to do, you develop this ability like Libby has, what she's talking about, being able to go to every practice. And again, we talked about this last week's podcast about finding about every practice you go to and you don't give 100%, you can't get that 100% back. You give 95%, there's 5% you left on a table. And next practice, if you're given 100% or 95%, that's 10% that you're leaving out. And and I know you well enough, Libby, to know that that's how your brain thinks. And yep. and one, one important thing I'll, I'll mention and I'll, I'll leave it to you guys is, and one always, that always cracked me up, like Libby's, uh, her mantra, I want to call it, when she was training with me was, I don't want to just want to win. I want to make the rest of them cry. <laughs> I mean, she was, <laughs> and that's, that's again, her personality, but, and I, I think was, it was her. I was going to be mature, but I can't. Yeah. Anyway. He, he just didn't, I'm thinking Michael Jordan with this. He just didn't want to beat people. He wants to beat them so bad that they don't even want to show their face again. And, and again, that's about winning. That's the desire to win. That's that will to be the best. That's, that's what top, top, top athletes need. And uh, you can't give it to them. They have to be able to develop that, that within them. And, and you can work on it. And, and help 
improve it, but something in there has got to be in there. And, and I, I, for one, believe that is what has helped propel Libby in the short period of time that she's had uh, from the, literally the beginner on the ice where you were with me to, to now training with national level skaters. Well, adolescent Jenny has emerged and <laughs> look at Patrick holding his breath. He's just like, oh, Jesus. So look, this is fabulous. And because that's absolutely that beast mode. That's the competitiveness. Like I have to not, some people take it to the extreme. I have to destroy my competition. But in sports psychology, <clears throat> there are some athletes who are already intimidated just at the reputation of their competitors. So they have already lost in their head. And so I'm going to reframe Libby to, to, to be healthier than how Pat said your mantra. We're going to reframe it in a healthy way where people can embrace it. Okay. So what I hear you saying is you want to be so good that anyone who wants to challenge you will think twice and they will work three times as hard as you in order to earn a space on the ice with you, right? You're not someone that anybody can just walk up with, walk up on and say, hey, I got you next, next, next round. And you're like, okay. It's, oh God, I can't live you next round, right? It's that, oh man, I, I, I hope. Because when people are that intimidated by somebody's reputation, they are, already at, they are already at a disadvantage. And so that's what I hear you saying. And that, yes, I want to be good for me, but I don't want to be so good that if you want to go up against me, you better be ready. And it puts all the weight back on them. And you're part of that. They're not part of yours. So you get to be free of that burden which I think is fabulous. I, I like the, I want to make them cry, actually. I prefer that. But for the purposes of being healthy and mature, we're going to just reframe it. That's all. But I like that. I, th I think how I've started to think about it is I want people, I'm not quite at the point now that I can say people think this, but I want people to feel a little nervous when they're on the line with me. I want people to get a little shaky, get a little, like a little adrenaline rush, just being on the line with me. So one thing, it's, it, it kind of correlates, but one thing that my mom always said kind of about me and about skating is that I don't, I tend to not get bothered by who I'm on the line with. I, it could she says that it could be an Olympic gold medalist or it could be a little five-year-old who's never been on clap skates before. I, I don't care who's on the line with me. I just want to beat them. It's going to be a five-year-old <laughs> makes me love you even more because you weren't early. I can't let them beat me like that. Great. If they beat me, what am I doing? <laughs> That would be right. the question, actually. People would think you're being graceful and you're letting the five-year-old win. No. The character <laughs> building. They got, they, got a, they got a win some, they lose some. 
Pat is like, what kind of conversation are we having? No, I mean, I've, I've been around Livy long enough to know. And, and again, I think this is one, it's part of what has brought her from the beginner level to, I'm going to call it the intermediate level or top junior level, one of the top. So these these attitudes, these traits, these character traits are important. And I'm glad we're really discussing them today for our our younger athletes. All about, for me, what she says, it's huge about going to every practice and being able to give that 100%. And if you leave that practice knowing you left some of it out there or, or didn't give everything you had, you you missed out and you you may come in second in your next race because of that and, and you don't want that and then just what you're telling yourself in your head to to propel you to make you better you have this desire to be the best where some people oh yeah yeah i want to win i want to win but what are they going to what are they willing to do to get there and can they can they convince themselves that they're actually good enough to, to get there I like and, and- and something that you just said, it reminds me of athletes like Michael Jordan, right? People are like, oh, he's cocky. And he's like, but he's good, right? She can be because she's good. He can be because he's good. And you have to have that kind of edginess to it. You have to have a little chip on your shoulder. You, you, you just do. Because again, if someone is nervous on the line, they're not fully present. That's just like if we were doing Taekwondo, you can't fight angry. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to lose something. You're going to make a mistake whenever there is emotion. So I can fully appreciate that. And it's one of those things where she's consistent. She'll be like that with an Olympian. She's just like, oh, you don't know me yet. And she'll be like that with a five-year-old and that you need to know me now. And I'm just going to get this out of the way for you. You know, you can go cry about it. We'll get some ice cream. I'll my treat. <laughs> Right. And then we'll try it again. But it's what I what I'm getting at is that hers isn't mean spirited. There are some people they're they're mean. Hers isn't mean spirited. This is part of that personality. You've been talking about passion and discipline and all these components of passion and, and will. And I hope that people are listening and if they have the the video component downloaded, they can see like you can look at at, at at Libby and just be like, I think she'll destroy you. Like she's not, I mean, she doesn't look like a killer, but you can just, she's not playing with anybody and it's not personal. It's not that she hates you. <laughs> she is just going to beat you. It has nothing to do with the other person. And that's the beautiful part of what I'm hearing and seeing today, which is ideal. I actually really like talking about how athletes have to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because it's something that I've known for a while. I don't know how I came to know it, maybe just through experience with sports from a young age and watching, I guess, people who are in the sport longer than me and older than me, just how they act. But it's something that I figured out. And that thing is, you can be, I guess the best word to describe it is cocky. When you're on the line, when you're competing, I feel like you have to be a little bit cocky just to stay focused, to, to, to really get in your mind that you're the best and that you're going to do this race as best as you can. 
and that it doesn't matter who's on the line you you're you deserve to be there you're good and I think it takes a different skill to be able to turn that off it's I feel like there's a switch and it's something that I try to kind of get down pat is turning it on and off when I'm in a competitive environment to be a little cocky to hold my head high to just kind of I don't know how to put it there's a saying for it yeah I, I agree and I, I think to me I'll use the word confidence and I don't I don't know if you have to be cocky as an attitude but if you have an air air of confidence about you and tell me if I'm wrong other athletes can see it and and you're going in and, and like you said you don't have to be I like how Ginny said you don't have to be mean-spirited towards anybody around you you're going in there with that cockiness or that attitude that confidence that other people can see and you just know for yourself that yeah and I, I agree 100% that I think top athletes need that you, you have to have that confidence cockiness maybe maybe not but that confidence which I think plays even better into it is extremely important and for your own good and for your competition I think it's a it's, it's a must I, I, I hear what both of you guys are saying. I like hockey because there's all there's always something good about everything. Too much of anything. That's what's not good good about it. And like she was saying, Libby is like, hey, I gotta be able to switch it off. Like when I'm on the line, that's one thing. I'm there, but when I'm done, you know, I'm Libby. You know, I'm you know, I like this, I, I like to do that and what have you. I I feel like I can kind of describe it as being two different people. There's a person like with Beyonce or something. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a person that I am when I'm competing and there's a person that I am when I'm just training or not even training, just being my own person outside of a sports environment. I just think I, I definitely act like two different people. One when I'm competing, one when I'm not. And it's really just that, as coach put it, confidence, as I would put it, I, I do feel cocky when I'm competing. I may not have any, any like sustenance behind being cocky, but it helps me. (laughs) The thing about cocky and, and, and confidence, I like confidence as well, but I, I'm, I'm a little partial to cocky if it's genuine. Right. There, there's a difference between being cocky and having a little chip on your shoulder, being edgy and being a jerk. There's, there's a, and, and that's like the full cockiness that people don't like, but there's this cockiness that you kind of have to have. And, and it's just a slice of that where it's just like, I know what I've done. I know what I'm about to do. So whatever you're going to do, do it all the way. And people mm-hmm. who are cocky, it's almost like a bat signal, Pat and Libby. It's like a bat signal to all of those who are cocky too. It's just like Fast and Furious or something. Everybody brings their car and everybody's cocky about their car. It's beautiful. It has all this stuff under the hood, but only one's going to win. And it's and it's a, it almost has this feel, Libby, as you're describing it, of, I want to compete with those people 
who are cocky too. And let's see what happens. That's how I'm going to push myself. And so that's how come I'm a little partial to it. It's like a little slice of cocky because it is like a, a bad signal. Because you're going to find people are going to go, oh, she thinks. Okay. And you're going to be like, yeah, I do. You think that too about yourself? Okay. And that's what kind of brings the energy, no? But that's what brings, that's what makes it a good race, right? A, a good event. It's like you got some of the best people and they are going for broke. And every top athlete wants that because if they lose, they want to lose for real, for real. They don't want to always keep winning. They want to lose to somebody and go, next time, I got you. That's one for you. <laughs> we got three more or whatever, but I'll see you. at the. But that's what pushes them. You know, that's what I'm getting. Yep. Yeah. That to add to that, there's kind of a a competitive energy when everyone has that little slice of cocky confidence. It's oh, I like and, that. And I, like I feel it. like yes, yes. <laughs> Let me. And I, I feel like when that happens, it also brings in the people watching can feel that energy, and yep. coach again can vouch for me. I like to perform. I love when people get into it when I'm racing. It's I love when the crowd starts cheering. Like this is especially significant with short track. I I really like when a race is so close and the top three skaters are either either any three of them could win or any of the three could win. And no one knows until like the last quarter. Yep. That's I just it brings the the racing attitude kind of brings the audience into it. The audience is helping the skaters win. And I I at least me personally, I feed off of that energy. I yeah. I gain so much from having the audience participate in my races. And that's I guess just something fun that I wanted to add to that kind of everyone having a cocky confidence aspect well, to the race. It's interesting you say that because in every sport, if you're even if it's an evenly matched event, an evenly matched game, that is what people love. It's like it could go either way, but this is gonna be a good it's gonna make you go up and down. You're gonna feel this emotion of excitement and dread and anger and fear. And it's when people come alive. People get to feel, that's why some sporting events can be just really bad because everyone's just feeling all this heaviness and disappointment. But if it's a really good game and it's a game, there's nobody saying, oh, they fixed that or, oh, they were, you know, making it where this other team would win. But if it's a solid game and individual open sports, when it's like that, it's like, hey, you know, everybody's watching the same thing. It's real. And how often, not just the spectators, they fuel the athletes, but how often do athletes get to be real in something that they really love? I used to tell the Taekwondo athletes back in the day, it was like two minutes around, so six minutes. I would tell them, you have six minutes where you're free. You're free to do anything you want the way you want. Six minutes. You trained hard for six minutes. I'm not sure what how much time it is for speed skating or short speed, uh, short speed, short track. Short track speed. Okay, I was like, I know I'm missing something. It's not a time twister, but that is 
the time when you have all eyes on you and you get to show out. You get to perform. And how, in my mind, I, I've never competed in anything, but how wonderful is that to have people going, you can do it. Go, go, go. And it's just like, and even if they're not cheering for it, they're just like, holy crap, other person go, she's, right? Because you are forced. And that's what makes a loss okay. A loss is okay when we know we've competed against somebody who gave us a run for our money and we gave them a run for theirs. And it was a good battle. Yep. That's a loss we can take. Yeah, I'll add to that. There was, and you can see if you remember this, Libby, we, we went to national championships two years ago. It was in Lake Placid, New York. Lake Placid. Yep. yep. That's what and I was thinking about when I was telling that story. Yeah, and it's one of Libby's, <laughs> one of Libby's first, maybe your first national championships, I don't know. But she was in was a first. group a group of, of skaters that she was at the bottom of the list. They didn't know who she was. She was a, a kind of a new, newbie to that group. And I think your, if I remember, your goal was to finish top three or something like that, get on the podium. And it was a very long shot. And this is this is what I'm talking about, where skaters rise to the occasion or just settle where they're at. Even as her coach, I'm like, all right, I've seen Libby perform a senior skate, but she's gonna she's gonna have to really pull one out of her hat to to get top three on this. She's probably ranked eight or ten going into that competition. And uh, every race, I remember, she got a little bit better. And she was studying her competition, and she beats this one. And then the next race, she'd be, be beating the next one. And she'd have her eyes on the next one. And we, we'd be planning out strategies all the way through to try to see what we needed to do. And I just remember the last race, it, it came down to, like, she had to beat, like, the number two ranked, I think it was, something like that, to, to get top three. And we, we worked out a strategy. And even me as a coach, I'm sitting there with fingers crossed. I'm like, all right, Libby, all the rest is up to you. And and he was feeding on that. He he like, all right, I got this. I'll eat this up. And I'm like, all right, again, fingers crossed, go out and get it. And he went out and did it. He he went out and commanded that race in the lead. He he played her race. He ended up getting the points and positions he needed. And I think he finished top three overall, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, from, from out of nowhere. And again, it, it was all part of that attitude, that desire to win, that knowing you can do it, that confidence. Uh, what, what was the word you used there, Libby? Hockey, Hockey confidence. confidence. Hockey confidence. I love it. And it was, it was a great performance. And I've seen other great performances from her since then. Uh, but it's about raising that bar. And every time you have that opportunity, raise it again and raise it again and have that expectation that you can do that. One of the things that I think is going to be interesting as Libby continues in her career uh, on the short track is as we continue to rise, when we come from where Libby came from, which is out of nowhere, she's going to have, there's always this radar that's sensing who's coming from out of nowhere. She'll feel it. She'll feel when the universe has a wave that goes out, right? And it's the it's the bat signal. And there's something that happens, from my understanding and from my experience, to athletes because they know what that feeling is. They know someone's coming. It's it's just a matter of time. And when they've had a good run in their career, whenever you decide to end your career, that's usually when that person will show up and you'll see yourself again. 
and you'll smile because you'll know yeah, exactly who she is. I'll let Libby respond in a second, but I, I, I want to, I think Libby's already had to deal with that. So as she's been making her rise and continues to, she was this nobody, started skating, competing against these other kids. And, and Libby is a very friendly person, gets along with just about anybody, but there were these older, more experienced skaters who would see this kid coming up. And, and not only do they see a kid who's got some talent, still has a lot to work on. And I, I think as my experience as a, as a coach, as an athlete, they see a kid who has determination and guts and drive as a competitor, that's what would scare me more than your actual ability. Because whether you're beating me now or not, if you don't have that desire, that drive to keep it going and to keep working harder, I, I, I'm not going to count you. I'm, I can count you out any point in time of the day. But if I see someone coming up behind me that's a hard worker, is going to drive themselves, to, to, they want to win, they have that desire, that's the person I'm worried about. And, and Libby, I think, dealt with that. She, she into another group, she has skaters seeing her come along. I, and I'll let you respond, Libby, but I'm thinking they weren't including you, they wouldn't talk to you, they'd kind of shun you for a little bit there. I think some of them have, have befriended you and you've gotten along well with them, but uh, fill me in a little bit on how, how that went. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say that they were older, but I would say that they were more experienced because there, there were some that were more experienced in the sport than I was, but were also younger. And I think it's gotten a little better, but I've, I've talked to some people who were also people who came out of nowhere into this sport, who transferred from either inline or some other sport into this, into long track speed skating. And they all said that from the same group of people, the experience was the exact same of the kind of I would compare it to high school drama. It's, it was very much like a clique was like attacking, not, I wouldn't say attacking. This clique was picking on the, the new kid in the school, like the new, the new kid on the block who didn't really, no one really knew anything about them and they were brand new. They didn't really know what they were doing. So they, they were kind of just, in this clicks eyes easy tar an easy target but i think as time grew and they learned more about this new kid they realized that they weren't going to be such an easy target so they kind of backed down and i guess looked for that another easy target someone that'll be easier than than that one and I think that's kind of the, the thing that's happened to me. And that's what happened to people before me. The click played around and they found out that I wasn't going to be someone who was going to be walked on. So they backed off and let, left me alone. So that's the kind of best comparison I can make to what happened to my experience. Hi. Wow. And so F around and find out is, is kind of yes. what I thought was <laughs> in your face, right? That is exactly and what happened. So <laughs> the thing though, and this is, if it's, and I'm going to ask you about your parents a little bit too, and how they supported you on this journey. But th this is something I, I want the listeners to really hear. 
which is that that's the whole point of sports. The whole point of sports is to teach each athlete, one, not to be a jerk, but then two, to know how to stand up for yourself and be able to say, not, not with me, to build that confidence, that, that ability to take care of yourself. Even if that means you're going to have to be alone for a little bit, that you like yourself enough that if I need to be alone, I would prefer that than be with those guys. Even if those are the only guys that I have to be with, I would prefer my own company. And that type of resiliency is is something that is built. It is developed over time. It doesn't just come to you. So when I hear people getting bullied, because that does happen quite often in every sport, whether it's club or high school or what have you, even professional, it's up to the athlete because nobody's, people are going to always be there for you. So how can you show up for yourself? And I love that story. I love the way you showed up for yourself and they messed around and found out. They're like, oh, she is not the one. And unfortunately, they found someone else who will have their own journey. But I'm curious about your parents. What role did they play? How did they support you in this? I think... I would come home from competition or I would come home from practice and I'd be pretty upset from something someone said or something someone did that maybe wasn't the greatest or wasn't the most sportsmanlike. But the thing that they would always do is remind me why I'm doing this. They would remind me of the goals that I set for myself before any of this started happening. And they they would tell me, you just have to keep going. There's really nothing you can do. You just have to, I guess, keep to yourself for now and just keep keep your nose to the grindstone is exactly what they would tell me. Just keep working, keep your nose to the grindstone and just remind yourself why you made made the decision to come to Utah to train with this new team or why like what they would just tell me why I'm doing this that's really all they did that the rest of it happened in my brain I would take that information and be like oh someone being mean to me one day is not going to affect me long term as much as not putting my all into a workout because I'm upset about something. So I guess just the things that they told me helped me put into perspective the the weight of that problem. So you, it, oh, go ahead. Is the The weight just was really light. There was no, there was nothing on it. So you adapted the, I'll show you better than I can tell you mantra in those moments. Mm. Isn't that okay? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. And when you showed them, they were like, oh, I guess we were wrong. And so in, in psychology, we call that sublimating, taking whatever is here and I'm going to put it into this area over here. I'll put it into my workouts. I'll put it into my performance because I have control over that. I don't have control over what they say or do as long as they don't put their hands on me or whatever, but I do have control over how I respond to that and what I do with that energy. 
Yep. Wonderful. I hear people talk about it a lot, but it's kind of like push, putting your frustrations into your art or putting your emotions into your art. I feel like sports is kind of my art. It's my outlet for whatever's happening. And I feel like even that in itself makes it, makes workouts more enjoyable. I, I go into a workout feeling horrible because something kind of mean, mean happened to me or like something unfortunate happened. And then I'll come out of that workout sweating really hot, almost passing out and being like, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. I, I need to not pass out. <laughs> I need to get food. I need to get water. I need to get my basic needs so I don't die. <laughs> that, those, that sentence that someone said to me doesn't matter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll reaffirm too, like Libby's parents have been very supportive. And especially since we have a lot of parents that listen to our program. Um, I think, I think your parents, from my perspective as the coach, always gave you full reign to make your decisions of, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And they backed you 100%, whichever direction you would go. They gave you the opportunity if you could, but they left it up to you to do the work. And they were going to be like, all right, Libby, if this is what you want to do, we got your back, go do it. And, yeah. and they were never going to do the work for me. Very true. Yeah. So what you're saying is if I know we have to, to, to circle down, but I, it sounds like what you're saying is they created the safety for you to have the space to do your thing and they didn't yeah. judge you. They didn't try to direct you, no, do it this way, or that was horrible. Or that was what they said, go play. Yep. Full support with a people. big old pat on Tell the back. And a big pat yeah. on the back. I think yeah. I want our parents to walk away with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, Jenny, we'll wind down. One thing I wanted to bring up is in closing on my end, we talked a lot about, and one of my new favorite words, Libby, I'm going to carry this one with me, is cocky confidence. And uh, I, I think there's a, it's important to know that there's a really fine line there, that cockiness and confidence and we've all seen that that athlete, that person that's just so over cocky and they're they're annoying, they're they're nauseating. And I think that that also is it's a fakeness too. And, and then there's that fine line of the the confidence and taking that path into over cockiness. I want to point out, and I'm we're doing a little praise on Libby here today because he was I got the, I had the privilege of coaching her for a few years. And the point of that that I'm trying to make in a long, make it a little shorter story, is we went to a competition in, I don't remember, Wisconsin or Salt Lake, I think it's say Salt Lake, and her and another athlete that we had in our club, both newer to that group, I got a call from a fellow coach the following week, and the coach responded to me and said, he's like, hey, I got a, I got a call from a parent who just wanted to shout out a praise of thank you to a couple of your athletes where these two athletes I had Libby with one befriended a young lady that they were competing against and he was he was shy she was quiet she was maybe new to the sport didn't know anybody and you guys took, kind of took her in talked with her helped her out to the 
races I'll follow. I don't, I don't know, not sure what you did, but the parents were very impressed. The young lady was, was very thankful. And you really made this young girl's day. We're at the same point that coach that called me said, Libby and Natalia both had the ability to go out in that race and kick her or anybody else's ass that were, that they could. And they weren't going to back down just because they had friends in that group uh, or had made some, made some friends or acquaintances. When you, when you put those skates on, you get on the ice and it's all no holes barred and you're going for everything you got. But at the same point, like you said, Libby, when you got off that ice, you were able to turn that off and be your normal self and have, have a friend and make some friends and not have that cocky confidence attitude and and be a normal person which to me one of my proudest coach moments is, is getting that call from that coach and and knowing that i'm hoping that's how i help raise my athletes that i'm working with to, to be able to do that because i as you talk to me this is what sports about it's not just at the end of the day there's very few that actually go all the way but it's also building a personality making friends pushing yourself and a lot of different things that you learn throughout sport. But I wanted to point that out to the athletes and coaches and parents listening that you can do that. You don't have to be an ass on the track and off the track. You you can use that hockey confidence. I love it. As, as and when you need to and, and be your, a normal good person. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that was my closing remark. And Danny, I'm going to let you give a closing remark and then Libby, I'm going to let you just like, if we're talking to athletes, your fellow athletes out there, any sport and parents and coaches, I'll let you think about this while Jenny's closing up. Give us uh, the opportunity to uh, give any helpful information you think and you keep it short as long as you want to these people because we're going to have you on again and, and go over more, but give it, give us some helpful information. Go ahead, Jenny. So one of the things parents and athletes, coaches that I really would love for you guys to walk away with is this is the goal. This is the point of sport. A person who can be so developed, not perfect, we're always evolving, where they can have perspective, where they can be thoughtful and resilient and take care of self and still be compassionate. They have these dynamic aspects of self that doesn't have to tear somebody down in order for them to feel better about themselves or to feel bigger, but to be the David in the face of a Goliath and that I don't care who you are. I'm not backing down. I'm going to compete with you. I'm going to go toe to toe with you and do my best to win because that's what I came here to do, whether it's in a sport or whether it's at life, because who we develop as athletes, especially young athletes, they will become more of as adults. So I want you to walk away with Libby. I'm sorry, in your mind. And that's the point. All right. All right, Libby, what do you got for us? Well, I was just thinking about it like five minutes ago. I wanted to talk about some advice on being nervous because I know from experience during this past season that being nervous before like a race really affected me is kind of a, a nice way of putting it. I know one short track race that I did at the beginning of the season, it was to qualify for the short track university games team 
and I was so nervous. I was, I was on the edge of my seat constantly outside of the rink, inside the rink. I couldn't sleep. I was so nervous that I could barely eat and I didn't really know how to deal with it. So after I got through that race, nothing really clicked throughout the race. I just kind of breathed and made my way through it. But then after the race was completely done, something just clicked. I can't describe it. Like, it's just something clicked. And then I just never felt that nervous again. I still felt nervous before the race, just because I wanted to do well. But I never got so nervous that it was affecting my energy levels. It was affecting how I raced. And I thought about it for a really long time. I thought about what that click could have been. And I think it was in my brain. I literally just said to myself, I'm never going to let my anxiety affect me like that again. And I think that's something that's kind of important for athletes to learn is how to tell yourself I'm not going to let this anxious energy affect how I skate and it's a lot easier said than done I know that but I feel like it's kind of a a mantra or like a manifestation of just telling yourself over and over again it's not going to affect me this doesn't affect me or like even taking out the negative words. It's how do I how do I take out the negative words in that? You say like I am instead of what you're not. Yeah. You say what you are. So yeah. if I'm not anxious, then I am calm. Yeah. Ready to go. Just, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's really my my biggest advice, honestly, is to calm down. If you if you've put in everything that you can into practice and into your training, once race comes, you're gonna be prepared. It doesn't really matter. the The only time you should be worried is if you're not putting your all in training. Yeah. If you're not doing everything that you can to go where you want to go that's when you should be nervous but if you're if you're doing everything right if you're doing everything you can there's no reason to be nervous right yeah great stuff libby and we're going to get you back when we start discussing pressure and competition and nerves Ah. it'll be a good time to have you back and go through that all right you gotta new set of you know performance things now a new a new uh a new rink no that wasn't clever okay all right listeners uh we're going to wind it up for today thank you again for listening to tell me why and thank you very much libby williams for joining us on our podcast today and we really enjoyed i think there was some great information and we look forward to having you back again listeners we'd love to get your comments in the comment section and tell us what you like what you'd like to hear more of and we really appreciate you in our audience thank you very much and have a great day Bye. thank you Libby thank you Jenny thank you.